everyone. Welcome back to Bad on Paper Podcast. I'm Becca Freeman. And I'm Grace Atwood. And today we have Kate Kennedy talking to us, too. We're so excited to have her here. She's visiting all the way from Chicago. But before we get into it, this episode is sponsored by Knight, the makers of our all-time favorite pillow. If you want to try Knight or gift it to somebody this holiday, you can get 20% off your order at discoverknight.com with code BOP20. We'll tell you more about it later in the episode. So Grace, before we chat with Kate, I feel like I haven't seen you in actually a week and a half. This is the longest we've been apart from each other. Did you miss me? I did. I saw you eating and drinking all these things with Rachel. I was having friend jealousy. It was great. Oh, it was great. But wait, what was your (laughs) high in our time apart? Um, My high, I have a few. So I was home with my family in Charleston. It was so nice to be with them. I had five nights there. I brought the cat home. I spent most of my time with my family, but I also got to spend a lot of time with two of my best friends who also live in Charleston. So it was just like great family and friend time. Um, my, I have two other highs though. So sorry, this is going to, I'm going to try and not to let this run long. I haven't Um, seen you. I want to hear all your highs. The second thing that happened, and I put this on my Instagram stories. So if you guys saw, you already know, but you did not hear me talk about it in person. I pull up to the airport and I'm in line at security and I'm checking a bag because I had the cat. So I had to check a bag and who is next to me at check-in other than Busy Phillips. Is she from Charleston? I think she's from Arizona. And I don't know why I know that. I don't but know I'm where... pretty sure she's from Arizona. So apparently she goes to Charleston all the time. I know oh. that Stacy from Hampton works with her and like styles her and dresses her. And Because um, didn't she meet Stacy because Dawson's Creek was filmed in North Carolina? It was oh, filmed maybe. in Wilmington. I feel like I remember I don't know Stacey the story telling us that story. I don't know the story. I don't I don't know. But she was there. She was there with her parents. So I'm not sure what they were doing. But I saw her. I was like, you cannot be a creep. Like I because I become a creep when I see famous people. Busy Phillips is also somebody that I feel like I know from her Instagram yeah. stories in a very creepy way. Yeah. I, I I do feel that I know her. So I see her and I'm like, oh, that's Busy Phillips. So oh, she's so cute. And then I like she goes to security. I go to security. We both have pre-check. So I was then right behind her. And I was like, I'm not going to say hi to her. But you know what the key to have getting a celebrity to talk to you is? Pull Tyrion out of the car- carrier. I pull him out because he has to go through. He has They have to come out of the case and go through the security, like the metal detector with you. Was he wearing a shirt? No, he was not. But she was like, oh, my gosh, who is this beautiful – who is this beautiful girl? And I was like, "I was like, well, this is a boy. This is Tyrion. And I introduced them, and she pet him, and she loved him, and she was so cute. Then she started randomly talking to me because she saw where I was going. She's like, wait, you're flying to LaGuardia? Like, it, are they done with the construction there yet? Like, every time I fly in there, it's such a hot mess. And I was like – and I was like really trying not to, like, have a nervous breakdown that I was, like, talking to Busy. Do you think – that she knew that you knew who she was? I don't know. Like at that level, I think at that level you just Do you assume? assume that everyone knows who you are or is that then conceded so you have to operate with the assumption that nobody knows who you are? I am not She's sure. a weird level of yeah. famous. She's not George Clooney where George Clooney can just walk into a room and he can just blanket assume that everyone knows he's George Clooney, but she's also not random internet person X. Yes. That's an interesting question. I know. I th- I had the same exact thing. So anyways, then I go through security and I'm picking up all my stuff and I see her su- sunglasses are still on the c- conveyor belt. So of course I grab them and I run after her. Like she's 
like booked it down the thing. And all I wanted to scream was, Busy, I have your sunglasses because you obviously she's gonna turn around if she hears her name. But then it blows my cover of just like playing it cool and pretending. So oh. I'm like hungover, holding the cat, holding my bag, and running as fast as I can. I'm like, I'm like, I have your sunglasses. And she was just like, Oh my God, you're so amazing. And then that was the our the extent of our time together. But it was wonderful. All I wanted was to be like, Busy, do you want to come on my podcast? But I did not do that. Should you DM her as a follow-up and be like, <laughs> I was behind you at security and I had your sunglasses and you liked my cat and I didn't want to be a weirdo, but I am a weirdo. Do you want to come on my podcast? I thought about it, but I've DM'd her in the past and she hasn't replied. Oh. So I think I'm in that folder that nobody sees. Mm. Yeah. So I don't know that she'll see it. It doesn't hurt. I'm just putting it out in the universe. I thought that by putting posting those stories somebody would watch them that knows her has and a connection forward them and to forward her. it i felt like that was the more elegant way to go about it than to like reach out and be really desperate which if, if you guys don't know i reach out and i'm really desperate all the time you're like laying breadcrumbs to like yeah. trap her yes exactly so that was really cool my third high is that becca and i are going on vacation this week so today's wednesday and we're leaving tomorrow. We're going to Harbor Island with our friend Katie Storino and her friend Kate. So it's only three nights, but we're staying at this beautiful hotel. I'm so excited to just like drink fruity drinks on the beach with you guys and read books. Oh my God, I'm so excited to read books and just sun myself and take naps. Yes, it's going to be amazing. Okay, now that I've taken an hour to say my highs, what's yours? I only have one. Oh. Should I make up some more? Yeah. So... Mine was I was just in Palm Springs for Thanksgiving. Without me. Without you. <laughs> so I was an orphan this Thanksgiving because um, I have a very – She was s- invited to my Thanksgiving. I was invited. Um, but I have a very small family and my aunt was had to work this Thanksgiving. So I didn't have any plans. And my friend Rachel was like, hey – come to LA and we'll do a Friendsgiving and I'll like have a bunch of people over. But then it turned out that all of her friends who usually are in town on Thanksgiving weren't. So she pitched going to Palm Springs instead. So we rented this super cute house. It we, looked so cute. It was adorable. We spent all day cooking on Thanksgiving and we made ourselves quite a feast. It was very proud of us. Mm-hmm. And then we went on some mini adventures. We went to Joshua Tree, went to the outlets. It was great. It was a very low-key vacation and it was nice to go with just one other person so you weren't contending with like so many different people wanting to do things or everything being a big production yeah it was so fun it was just like a great relaxing time we went out to a show tunes gay bar one night i saw that it was a blast it's called quads with a z it was great so i was very pleased with my thanksgiving doings yeah what about lowe's so on the flip side of that coin I thought that I was going to California and I was going to get some nice temperate weather. Joke's on me. I did not. So I looked at the weather probably two weeks before Thanksgiving and it was 90 in Palm Springs. So I'm thinking that I'm going bathing suit, laying in the pool, that type of trip. As it gets closer and closer and closer, it's like, no, it's actually going to be 55 and raining. Fine, whatever. Like, we're going on vacation this week. It's not a big deal. So we're in Palm Springs the first night. It's so cold. We turn on the heat in the house and it starts making this terrible noise and it smells like burning. And then there's like a pop. And then that was the end of the heat. So we were staying in this Airbnb that didn't have heat. And it was overnight. The low was like 
like low 40s. So it was freezing in this house. And of course, they couldn't get the HVAC guy to come out because it's Thanksgiving. The guy who owned the house was super nice, super understanding. But I was like, it was very much like expectations versus reality where I was like, oh, no, I went to California and froze my ass off the whole trip. Oh, my God. It was funny. funny. They they refunded us for part of this day, which was nice. And then we took ourselves to a very nice dinner in L.A. with our fake money. Yeah. But I was cold. It was not my California dream vacation. Oh, Charleston was pretty cold, too. Wait, what's your low? Mine is just I have a serious lack of Christmas cheer in my apartment. Um, Wasn't that your low last week? No. I think it was your high was um, your Christmas tree, and I just commented that I didn't have one. Oh. So I always get a real tree. I love a real tree. They make me very happy. They smell amazing. I love waking up in the morning and you come out in the living room and the first thing you smell is the tree. Um, I'm not here very much this month, so it doesn't make any sense to get a tree. So what I have a solution. I'm getting a small fake tree from Amazon, which I can then use in other places in my apartment in the future because I don't want to get a small a fake tree and then just never use it again because I get a real tree the next year. Yeah, a tabletop tree. Yeah, it's like a three-footer. It's very cute. It's coming in the mail tomorrow. Great. And then I got a special Christmas candle, and I have four of them, and they're all over the house. They smell really good. I like that you quadrupled down on these. I walked in, and it smelled really good, and then I saw one, and then I kept finding them all over the place. Yeah, there's another one over there. Um, I'm going to tell you what the candle is because it's my obsession. I don't want to ruin it. Yeah, don't steal your own thunder. Yeah. Coming soon. (laughs) Before we talk to Kate, we're going to take a quick break to talk about one of our favorite sponsors – who may just be responsible for keeping our skin in check this holiday season. It's Borghese. So Borghese is a beauty brand inspired by the Italian spa culture, which is something we can both definitely get behind. It's been around for 62 years, and they were actually the first brand to bring mud masks to the market. So I've been a big fan of this brand now for years. The face masks are incredible. What really blows my mind is how effective they are in just two minutes. So my favorite is the Fango Reparativo mask. It's really, really calming and surprisingly soothing for a mud mask. But it's so effective in such a short amount of time. Yeah, their products are quick, but they're very, very potent. One thing I love that is very relevant to this episode is that the muds are offered in 2.7 ounce jars, so they're TSA friendly, so you can take them with you. So I think I'm definitely going to bring at least one on our trip to the Bahamas. That's exactly what I was going to say. I'm packing the Fango Delicato for the Bahamas this week. I love that one. That's their moisturizing one. Yes. And it's so so nice. And can we talk about the fact that it was created by a princess? I'm still not over that. That feels like a Netflix movie plot line. Princess Marcella Borghese created a beauty line allowing everyone everywhere to bring the spa home. And they've now been around for 62 years. I just love that founding story. I know. I I always let you say that when we do this because I know it's your favorite stat. It's just such a good fun fact. It is. So anyways, the gift sets are fantastic. So they sent both of us the box of self-care, and we were blown away by how many good things were inside of it. So I think it's $69 for $140 worth of product. Um, And the other thing that I really love that they have is these mini mask ornaments. So they're only $12. They come inside this cute little ornament. They're And so they make just a perfect hostess gift or a gift for one of your girlfriends. Oh, that would be so fun for an office white elephant. Yeah. I mean, $12 for a great little mask. 
Yeah. But we also have a special offer for you. So you can get 25% off site-wide, including those gift sets, at Borghese.com. Enter code BOP25 at checkout. So again, go to Borghese.com, and that's B-O-R-G-H-E-S-E.com, and enter code BOP25 at checkout. So we are so excited to have Kate Kennedy here visiting us from Chicago. So Kate was in town for a wedding, and we decided that we would do a little crossover. So we're recording with her, and then we're going to go on her podcast after this. So anyways, Kate is the founder of Be There in Five, which is both a podcast and a store. She is a pop culture expert, and she's one of both of our favorite people to follow on Instagram. She's also an author. Her book, Twinkle, Twinkle, Social Media Star, is an internet fairy tale of fame, fortune, and followers. We first met Kate when she reached out to us. That was one of the big questions that we got asked. Um, And she noticed that we both show up for each other under that people you also listen to function in Apple Podcasts. So then we met her in real life after our Chicago live show and we're fast friends. We ended up actually having dinner with her the next night too. And we were both like, we are obsessed with this girl. So it's really fun how podcasting can just like, you can make new friends and it, it, this little digital world brought us together. Kate, we're so excited to have you. Thank you for having me. I never know when, I, when to interject, but that was very sweet. And I'm so happy to know you guys. My gosh. It's very fun, like, having a reason to reach out to people you already, like, like and want to be friends with. But, like, podcasting gives you a great excuse because when you interview people, you get to hang out. Yeah. Kind of expedites the process. Absolutely. Because usually you don't go on a first drink date and you're like, here's uh, two hours worth of intimate questions about you. Oh, exactly. I've stopped right. all your social media and here's what I'd like to know more about. Yes. No, it's like the best job in the world is like sit down, like drink wine and interrogate people you want, like, like, like they sat with you for like two and a half hours. I'm like, tell me all your hopes, dreams, drunk. fears and regrets. I was so candid on that interview with you because you got me drunk. I, I think, did? Yes. I think what? we had like two glasses of wine, didn't we? Oh, I had more I'm than so that. sorry. Um, well, I mean, that was kind of the premise, too, yeah. is, like, to have a drink with people under the influence or, like, play on yeah. words. But also, I just, like, uh, yeah, I like those conversations women have that are, like, a smidge more candid than maybe usual that isn't anything detrimental. What was the most salacious thing you, you told Kate? I don't remember. I just talked a lot of shit. Like, I think a lot of the questions that were asked were, like, about other influencers and things. And I think I talked a little shit. Not at all. Really? No. Oh, I feel like I was really snarky. Um, people were excited because you said fuck. Oh, I did. Yeah. Well, I don't think people They think- apparently don't listen to our podcast because <laughs> yeah. we swear a decent amount. I say amount. fuck all the time. I know. Yeah. I know. I think people – yeah, it was kind of funny. I got a lot of people being like, I loved hearing like how like Grace – like not edgy wasn't the right word, but people like loved hearing you – like just talk I guess about yourself a little bit more because on your own podcast you're not always like Mm -hmm. I mean you rarely are really going deep with yourself because it's usually about other people or topics right yeah so So wait Kate we introduced you but can you tell us in your own words who you are and what you do yeah um it's a little I I try to I try to make it as brief as possible it's just kind of a roundabout um I'm from Virginia I live in Chicago now. I um, was in corporate marketing for six years in um, marketing effectiveness and advertising effectiveness. And while I was there, I thought I was going to burn my house down by leaving my curling iron on. And so one day I was walking out and I saw my doormat. I was like, this is kind of a canvas. Like, this would be funny. I'm going to paint, turn off your curling iron on my doormat. And I put them on Etsy for fun. Like, I know everyone says this, but as like a creative outlet, because I like painting and I was hand painting them. Um, They take off one day. It goes viral. Um, 
the first year, my mom and I paint thousands of doormats out of our living rooms. I named the business Be There in Five as kind of like a nod to my tendency to run behind. And the type of person that would probably leave their curling iron on was also like me. And um, about a year and change in, I quit my job to streamline the business with full intentions of going back into corporate marketing. Um, it takes me about two years to get back on my feet. And then I can't get a job. And um, it's very weird having felt like I just conquered the world, but no corporation thought like my experience was that relevant anymore. And um, I went through like kind of a tough time during this time when I'm like low, I write and create and do things. And I wrote my book. I started the podcast. I started doing pop culture commentary on Instagram as kind of like a um a last ditch effort, like, screw this. Like, what do I like? Like, what, how to get people to follow me and not the maths? Um, how do I get them, no matter what creative venture I go into, to follow me and to understand me better? And it was through kind of this asinine discussion of pop culture commentary in a way that um, I liked and nobody in my immediate life did. But I found people on the internet who like cared and had the same thoughts I did. And um, it got so extensive that it, I moved it to a podcast and it kind of became a, a way to, uh, you know, talk my way through the lonely days of self-employment to find other like-minded people. Um, and uh, that was about two years ago. And my then at the, around the same time, my book about social media got, I got a publishing deal, which came out la late last year. And uh, yeah, ever since then, I've just been doing freelance writing and writing another book. I'm, I have my podcast and I have a career that like, it doesn't really make any linear sense, but I'm forever trying to figure out a way to describe it a little bit better. <laughs> I think most of the most interesting people I know have nonlinear careers. It's very, not as a rule, but you know, you don't really sit down with anyone and they're like, I've been a CPA for 40 years. And you're like, tell me more about that journey. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. I think I'm a little self-conscious about it because um, not everyone understands it. And it seems a little disjointed at times. And I think I come from like a corporate job I was really proud of. Then I really worked my way up through the company to just like leave it. And I had all this equity that was just gone. And like, um, I've over time I've become more comfortable with it, but yeah, it's honestly like I'm very, very lucky to just kind of have the space and time to experiment. Do you ever miss the corporate world? Every day. I mean, yeah. God, really? I love expense accounts. I would get like five sushi rolls. I would get like <laughs> I would go on like I used to travel a ton, and I just like we had there was a company that had money so i'd like travel well i'd have great dinners i go out with friends in every different city and like i loved my clients like i honestly really i'm not a person that started a business because i didn't like my job i like really liked it um that's so, yeah. so interesting i feel like you may be one of the first people that we've talked to about this topic who have been like no i i loved my corporate job yeah, yeah. it's not normal um yeah, I, I think that's kind of the what I'd argue is a lot of side hustles. Um, a lot of times they work when you don't need them to. And there's such a lack of pressure. And it was just purely creative, no agenda. And I think that's why it took off because like I just really made – good long-term decisions and didn't do things that were like shiny or take offers up front because I already had an income. Mm -hmm. I already like, it didn't matter if it, it sank or swam. Um, but yeah, I, I miss, I, when I say I miss it every day, I wouldn't, I would not go back. I wouldn't trade where I am for the world, but there are funny things about corporate America, like having company around, <laughs> um, like coworkers. I love working with clients. I was like the best at PowerPoint. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I feel like my creativity was, yeah, it kind you of worked Becca, in different Becca's ways. really good at PowerPoint, too. Yeah. And, like, you can really impress people in corporate America if you just, like, know how to do more than, like, a slide transition. Yeah. And, like, people uh, – yeah. I'm I, bad at it. I, I loved it. It's – I think, too, it's just, like, steady income's nice. 
Yeah. So I feel like this is going to be kind of a windy interview, but maybe let's start now that we're on career. Let's stay there. I'm curious. You told us a little bit about the origin story of the podcast, but like, how did you tell us more? I want to know how you came up with the topic. Like, I know at first it was very Taylor Swift centric and has become more broad, I would say. I'm just curious, like, what the impetus was. Yeah. So I think that um, my whole life, I've loved pop culture. I have a pretty good memory. I've always had very like quirky, specific pop culture interests, but not a lot of friends or family that shared them. And like, I kind of saw an opportunity to once I realized on Instagram, people were engaged with the way I talked about it to take it a step farther, because I really believe that a lot of smart people love pop culture and love um, celebrity gossip and love all these things that are so trivialized, especially when women like them. And you're made to feel like you have stupid interests when really these things affect culture and they're important and they move the needle. And um, I think that I wanted to create a place where people could talk about people, meaning me, um, could talk about pop culture in a way that was intelligent and analytic and surface level, but have kind of in-depth discussions of superficial topics. Beyond uh, wanting to kind of do it differently than I was seeing it being done, I felt like it was all very like gossipy, very, um, I don't know, it, it, it wasn't like, let's it was all like, let's talk about what happened, but I wanted to talk about like what it means or like why it happened that way and kind of go another level deeper. And, um, but beyond that too, I really like honestly was at a low point and, and, um, I wanted to, it really kept me company. Like I don't have co, I, I was working alone for about 12 hours a day and it was kind of just this great outlet for me that I didn't really care what came of it as long as I was kind of digging my way out through my own creative venture and hoped that in some way I'd help other people dig themselves out. That's so interesting. You do it by yourself. So it's almost like a audio journal. It is. 100%. Yeah. And to your point about Taylor Swift, I actually, I didn't, I talked about her a ton when we became friends because she had an album that came out. Okay. Other than that, it's always been pretty broad. I've always just wanted it to be like, uh, like pop culture, slip gossip, a lot of nostalgia is a lot of what it's rooted in. And, um, yeah, just TV, movie, mu- movie, music. And I'm not afraid to like pivot it as I go. Cause when you get the data and market research of what people like, you do more of it and we follow your own interests. And I think that's, what's kind of cool is I mean, you guys have done something similar. I'm curious if knowing, the data and the market research you know now, would you have done anything differently at the beginning? Honestly, no. Um, it came from such a pure, unstrategic place. And I honestly think that's why, um, and I always really want to keep it that way. It's such an intimate medium. I'm in people's ears. Like, I really do take it seriously. And I found people that like the style and the length and the way it's done. And it takes a while to find the right people. But if I was doing it for any other reason than I just sincerely enjoy it, I would have stopped a long time ago. Yeah. Um, podcasts take a really long time to gain traction for most yeah, people. Yeah, they do. What Do you have any big goals for the podcast this year? Um, you know, I, I really would like to find, I don't know, I want to find like, I do the Under the Influencer series and I have like random deep dives. I would like to figure out more like series style consistencies Mm -hmm. that I can kind of rely on and front load to help with consistency because I do think that's important and on my own that's been hard. Um, I would love to do more live shows. I would love honestly like I don't know. I just really genuinely enjoy it and it's fun and it's I feel lucky because it's not about me. Like as the world changes so does the podcast and so does everything we talk about and I feel like that's really cool. But I feel like your deep dives that you do are very much you. Like they're very yeah. specific. 
Um, I listened to the one about youth group culture, which I did not partake in, but I still found interesting to listen to. Mm-hmm. And it it does feel personal more so than, you know, the evolution of pop culture. Yeah. Oh, 100%. There's a balance. I uh, Anything that really sparks my interest that I'll mention offhandedly that I'll notice other people pick up on. Because I did one episode where I mentioned, hey, I wonder, like, if when people grow up in really conservative atmospheres and and faiths and they tell you, like, you're a whore if you have sex before marriage, but once you sign that paper, like, go for it. Like, can you flip that mental switch? And my argument was no, having grown up in church camps. I got so many emails having that 30-second thing in one episode of people being like, oh, my God, this is how I feel. Like, And I was kind of like, okay, this is a thing. And as I kind of dug into it, it started from a place of, like, my direct knowledge of how, um, like, how oppressive a lot of the language that was used for me was. And um, I don't know. Then I just kind of explored it from there. But that was something I was never planning. It just happened in, like, a two-week period. Yeah. And that's kind of what I mean by there's always going to be things that interest me to talk about. And I think since I talk a lot about nostalgia and I'm in my 30s like I'm really going back and kind of regressing through a lot of things and I kind of like doing that with my audience yeah is that how you come up with the deep dive topics like what you're going through and what you're thinking about or what influences those because they're always so like spot on and on point but I'm just but also random yeah super random. very random but they're like something I always want to listen to like the sorority episode um the the, I was really fascinated by the Mormon mom, mommy bloggers, which I'm sure you're sick of hearing because that was like such that just was like an epidemic. Everyone was obsessed. They uh, now that you well a thank you so much and b per your question earlier, if I had known that would be at that popular, I would have done it differently. Oh really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know. I, I just it was like very um, off the cuff, like not super structured. I would have. I, if if that if I knew that was going to be a lot of people's entry point, I would have done it differently. I don't know how, but I I won't I can't even listen to them. I'm too scared. Like I don't even know what's in there. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. Well, um, I spent six hours one day like decluttering my closet and doing chores around the house, listening to all three. I love that so much. Like yeah, yeah I, long podcasts aren't for everyone. Um, I, I, like people have busy lives, but. I am a person who listens to long podcasts. I love long form. I love depth. Um, and it's just something I wanted to do. And a lot of people that follow me were already small business owners, self-employed, a lot of new mothers, a lot of people that like commute. And um, I think that like the engagement there with the listeners is so incredible because they spend a lot of time with me. Yeah. Well, how does it work behind the scenes? So you have these long episodes mm-hmm. It's mostly just you, mm-hmm. except for when you do your Under the Influencer series. Do you have an outline or do you just sit in front of a mic and go? Yep. Just sit. <laughs> That's is so scary to me. I really? know. I, I'd be, we, we always have a very formal outline. We have our laptops out. You guys don't sound like you're you, – you guys sound pretty free-flowing, though. We are. It's like talking points and things. Like yeah. We don't write down every word we're going to say. It's more of like a guide. But I think it's also more crucial when you have two people because then you have to guide a conversation. Otherwise, you know, one person's off on this tangent and the other person's over here. So – A thousand percent agree with that. It helps rein us in a little. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, I, you know, I'll, I definitely beforehand will like think of the main points. I'll like write down and like different bullet points, but like not really in any order, not really in any depth. Um, what I've learned going through it is that 
the things I say are often more interesting than the things I'd write. That okay. makes sense. Interesting. And do you just let it go and then do you cut the episode mm. afterwards or it just comes out in the way that it exists as an episode? It doesn't come out in the way that it exists. It totally depends. Sometimes it's one pass and I really don't touch it. Sometimes I'm like, sit down five minutes. The dog needs to be let out. Sit down 15 minutes. Like I'm distracted. So like some days it's chopped up over several days and I weave it together. And sometimes it's one pass. It's really kind of just depends. And I have trouble some, you guys know, like some weeks you just don't feel like talking, but you're always glad you did it and you always do it anyway. And like, I think, yeah, it, it, I don't have a real rigid process, but I do edit very insanely. Like I'm very funny about a lot of it. You edit way more insanely than we do. Our podcast, basically, the only thing we edit out is when usually somebody will ring the doorbell with a package, somebody will have to pee, or, you know, if we really trip over our words, which definitely happens, but otherwise, what you get is what happened. Well, that just showcases how good you guys are at this, because most people trip up a lot, like I do, for sure. I, I totally lose my train of thought or like whatever. Oh, that wasn't a humble brag whatsoever. I'm just I'm so curious how the sausage is made because we're yeah. we were saying before we started recording, we were just talking about how great it is to know other people who have podcasts because, you know, Grace and I are just making this up. Yeah. When we started no- it for probably the first year, I don't think we actually really knew anyone who Mm-mm. who had a podcast. And so we just did it. And now we're like, oh. Is the way that we got to the answer the same way that you got there? And it sounds like no. Yeah. Well, every it's funny. Like everyone, like I'm constantly learning from other people and finding best practices. And like it's, I just really love communities of women that are all doing the same thing but aren't competing with one another because we all are just different. Yeah. We all, all of our shows are different. Like, um, or even like, it's just funny. There's so much inside stuff, like equipment. Like even today, Ashley was like, you put people's voices on two separate tracks. I was like, of course. Oh my God, of course. Well, I could course. never. Wait, but they, they don't, don't do, do two separate tracks. What? what? Yeah. So it's, and they're like the, po- the biggest podcasters like in our realm. And so I, it, that's, what's like so fascinating to me is we all like, because we all tried to figure it out ourselves first, like probably f- made this methodology that like, Maybe is right, maybe is wrong. I'm shook by this, sorry. Well, it's so funny because (laughs) I feel like most of what we learned about equipment, I learned from random YouTube videos of old men being like, here's how you do it. And I was like, "Mm, okay, I clicked on this one, so I'll just do this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. oh, same. I mean, that's kind of, I think, what you you just figure it out. Yeah. And like, I'm sure I'm not doing everything efficiently. In fact, I think that editing really does get the best of me sometimes because um, I'll really overthink. And I think s- people don't hang on your every word as much as you think they do, right? Like a lot of times people want to listen to people talk and it doesn't all need to be profound or completely sound or perfect. Um, but sometimes I'm just like, I am so annoying. And I'll like just drop, I'll like absolutely go to town on the episode, but sometimes I leave it. It's kind of my mood. That's interesting. I think that for us, it probably helps because if I had to listen to myself for an hour talking, I'd be like, I'm so annoying. I'm awful. But because Becca's in there, I'm never like overly critical because it's just the two of us talking to each other. But if it was just me, I think I'd be so much harder on it. Yeah, that's how I feel. I mean, I think people think I very confidently talk into it and walk away, but like I don't. I'm very self-conscious about it. I like half the time press upload and like run and scream into a pillow. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to be received. Like, I don't know what to do. I like go on a walk. I like can't. That's so interesting to hear because I feel like one of the things that I've 
always perceive about you from listening to your podcast is how quick-witted you are and like just yes. how we got a lot like, of smart and snappy and I'm like oh she must have a like very comprehensive outline with like zingers written and you're like no I like don't feel confident in it and I you know I don't know what I'm gonna say going into it I'm just so impressed I think a lot of people think I'm lying about that it's funny like I did I, I mean of course I have notes and stuff but I honestly like uh it, it, I think it's important to remember, too, it's cut down. It's not like I'm just saying these, like, dense things constantly that are, like, really strong. Like, I'm cutting out things that don't matter in between it a lot of times. Um, but, yeah, no, I think it's I, – I think the day that I'm, like, I'm awesome, I'm like, I have a problem. Like, I think it makes me work a lot harder and it makes yeah. me care a lot more about what I'm doing and saying. And, like, I just really do think we have a responsibility to, like, be very mindful of having a – large platform that is going to influence people. And I'm saying so much, like I really do have to listen to it back carefully and be care. Like, I don't know. So for an episode that's, let's say two hours, how much tape is there recorded? Probably 220. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's nothing crazy. Yeah. It's just like, I didn't know if you were starting with four hours and then (laughs) getting down to two. I would never survive. (laughs) Um, I mean, and like the multi-part thing has been more recent. Um, just when I realize something's deeper, or I want to crowdsource from listeners or whatever, uh, which has been helpful. But uh, yeah, it just—I don't know. It, it definitely, it definitely depends. And like some weeks, I feel like I'm funnier, better than others, and it just—you know. So. One thing I want to talk about with your podcast that we've talked about in person, but you must have talked about online somewhere because we crowdsourced this question and somebody asked about it. So you've you've told me in person that you have your husband blocked on Instagram and that he doesn't listen to your podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh, I know. Has he really never heard it? No, he's heard two. He he hasn't. He's not a listener, like a regular listener. Right. He's heard two episodes. Which ones? That uh, it was earlier on. We were on like a road trip. He hears me talk all the time and he hears me recording all the time. And like whenever I'm on other people's, he'll listen. I just am like, he's not forbidden. He, I've just been like, you're not my target market and I love you and I appreciate your opinion. But I, I just want you to know that you, this is not your, and these aren't your interests. And so I try not to. Uh, put too much stock in feedback from people that aren't my target market. And on Instagram, he just like looks at sports and like he, if he saw the like novels I write about, so he'd be like, what are you doing? Cause like he's asleep. <laughs> like I do all my Instagram stuff at night and I'll like post it throughout the day, but it's usually like done the night before. Cause my husband and dog go to bed like hours before me. Um, so yeah, he, it, it's honestly like a way for me to separate my worlds to keep my marriage more uh, like sacred in terms of me not constant. If if I could, I would talk about it all the time, but it's almost better that I kind of have to separate myself for my own sanity because I'm so obsessive about it. And like, it's very consuming to be self-employed. And the blocking on Instagram, I just find that hilarious. Yeah. I honestly, like I, at this point I could unblock him. It's almost become a joke uh, just because like I did it when I was starting out and I really didn't want to be self-conscious. I, like I blocked, totally. I, yeah, I blocked my family at first. Like I really think that when you, people are starting out, it gets in their way. Uh, the the pe- people in their immediate life's opinions, they use as a cross-section to project on their entire, with the potential of their entire idea. Because your mom or your sister doesn't think it's interesting, you're acting like that's valuable feedback, and it's not. 
I actually can really relate to that because when, even when we started the podcast, I had a friend say, you're really you're really just talking about the podcast a lot on your Instagram. I'm like, yeah, because we launched this thing and like I need to. I'm like, just don't watch my stories then. Or um, when I first started my blog, I had so many of my close friends just be like, I just don't understand. Like, Why are you putting these pictures of your outfits up on the internet? And I was like, this is a thing because none of them were blog readers. They didn't get it and they weren't my target. I wasn't trying to get my, I wasn't doing this for my friends. I was doing this as like my own little like creative side projects. So I love that. And I kind of now, if if I could go back, maybe I would just block all those people. and be like, don't worry about it. It's not for you. Yeah, they don't even notice really. Like it's yeah. nothing that serious. And I just think people are, it makes people more risk averse. And I think people could be doing what they want to be doing if they weren't self-conscious of the people in their life. And it's not bad that you love them. They love you. They just don't want you to be disappointed or for it to not go well. Uh, but I think that it, a really important part of owning something and spearheading something is um, cutting out irrelevant noise. So do you have a Instagram? I have a I have so many Instagram accounts. Every time I have like a business idea, I like grab the handle. No, but do no, you have like a, a Instagram where it's like just for your friends and family? Oh, I have people? a personal Instagram. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. When you said Instagram, I thought you meant like, do I lurk from accounts that are like un no names? And yes, I have that too. Oh, maybe I'm using that wrong. No, Finsta is like your personal. Yeah, Finsta like it's is a fake Insta. Yeah, but it's like your it's like where you put your personal photos or like your like weird shit, like ugly photos oh, of funny. yourself. In my head it's the one when you don't really want people to know you're following them or looking, like if you're looking at your exes stuff. Like to troll? Mm-hmm. Oh. Not to troll. It's like when if you want to look to at lurk. exes, if you want to okay. look at like people from high school, if you want to look at like accounts, like you don't really want to be publicly following on like your big account. Yeah. But you kind of are interested. I don't know. I, I so. just go and I look, but I don't follow. Same. Am I being yeah, I don't really do it anymore. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but Be- because I get that, like I, f- I definitely think that I'm very annoying to a lot of people who know me in real life, where they don't care that I'm looking for a sports bra on Black Friday. They could really care less that <laughs> I hear th- my thoughts on this, versus you know, that's something that gets tons of people coming out of the woodwork with all kinds of opinions who I don't know. But people in my close life are like huge eye roll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like who's asking for this? And you're like, actually, a lot of people. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> but no, I think that's like. It's just a funny thing where uh, I, I people get used to it over time, then they get on board, and then the, that phase is over and done with. And it's like nobody's uh, everyone gets out unscathed. I just always encourage people to like not overthink it with people that know them because it is embarrassing, like not in a bad way, but it's just like weird when it's, like, it's cringy. It's, it's like, cringy. It's cringy. Yeah. Yeah. What business do I have sharing my opinions on this at, at first? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But like who in their right mind is like feels that way about themselves. You know, everyone's just kind of trying like to see if anybody cares, notices, like latches on. Yeah, totally. I always cringe when I do my Q&As because like I love them and my audience loves them and they're like my most engaged with content. But when I think about all of my friends watching my Q&As, they're just they're they're just like rolling their eyes. Totally. One of the most interesting things to me about Q&As are what are the weird questions that people have about you? Yeah. Like I love, I love looking at yours too. Like oh. if we're ever traveling together, and I'll mm-hmm. look at the questions that she that don't get answered, but like the really strange ones. They're mm-hmm. really strange. Yeah. yeah. What do you get a lot? People just want to know. Like, I always get asked if I'm religious, like constantly, and like I don't really want to talk about religion on my channels. Like, yeah. I don't think that that's something that they need to know. It's like just things, or like they're always like they want to know like my exact like 
this blows my mind because I don't think I'm a very fit person. I'm just like kind of in the middle. They're like, what's your fitness routine? Tell me your what you eat in a day. I, uh, the What you eat in a day is like – and I would be like, you don't want to see this. It's like a bag of goldfish, like some a random block of cheese. Like I do not take care of myself like a grown-up. So I don't answer those things. <laughs> but then there's other weird things. I don't remember. People ask me see, if I you saw someone. A um, oh, the weed one. I've never gotten – I don't think anyone time. ever thinks that about me. That's so funny. Yeah, I, I think people are like, there's no way you talk like the way you do without be, like, being like stoned out of your mind. I'm like, no, actually, like I really just talk like this. <laughs> <laughs> I wish oh I had an excuse. Gosh. Wait, do you have a – can you give us any hint into your next deep dive? This was a big one. We got asked this a lot. Oh, um – it's kind of getting to the point where I'm trying not to tease them. Yeah, yeah. Um, because I never actually know when they'll come out. Um, I'm actually – I don't think I'm going to say. I'm okay. working on something. But yeah. it'll I'll, it'll be out soonish. You heard Great. it here first. Something big and mysterious is coming. <laughs> something soonish. Yeah. Out soonish. <laughs> Can we jump topics? Yeah. So we want to talk about influencer culture. Yeah. It's interesting that you've become an unofficial authority on influencer culture. I know. And now you're kind of – you're an influencer too? Are yeah, you confused by in, the whole? Yeah. yeah. No, um, I think, honestly, a big part of what I've always tried to do is, like, defend the ones I like mm-hmm. and the ones who I think are really moving the industry and forward and who are adding value. And joke about the ones that don't matter. Like, the things I joke about with, like, the fall foliage. <laughs> oh, my God. Are, these are these people. They don't care. They have a million followers. They're doing this because they know it gets likes. I don't ever put their handle on it. It's funny that they that this is something people are into and it just cracks me up how staged they are. So like the way I the things I kind of really go in on, I really actively try to make unoffensive and blinded, but I still want to be like this is hilarious that this is how we want to depict life. Um but yeah, the reason I do my under the influencer series is cuz I want people to get to know people and for influencers to talk on a platform that doesn't seem self-indulgent about mm-hmm. their career journey because I think it's harder than it looks. I think it should be taken a lot more seriously than it is. And I I always hope people walk away from those being like, damn, she's a businesswoman. Like she really worked hard and like deserves to be monetizing these eyeballs that we complain about all the time with like SpawnCon. Yeah. You know, like I really do. I don't know. So it's funny. I think people – I never want to seem trollish. Um, I don't think you do. I think you always come across as really nice and just asking the right questions and inquisitive. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, like, curious about it all. And um, it is a little weird. You're very respectful. I I felt like your whole Mormon Mommy Blogger series was really respectful. Yeah, that was scary. That was – that was – that, yeah. That was a a weird month for me. Did Um, you get backlash (laughs) for that? Um, I – Honestly, most people that reached out that were like, you're completely incorrect about something were very nice. Like, I was honestly blown away. Like, good for Mormons. Like, they're very nice. Um, Rachel Parcell did reach out. And all of her commentary was just the things that got wrong about the church and not about her family, which I thought was interesting. Um, I Like, we kind of went back and forth very nicely. She's truly lovely. I have nothing bad to say about her. And, um, you know, I think that the the reality of these mega influencers – uh, the, 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 your paycheck is grounded in our interest 
And uh, like I, people are interested and I think it does get hard because there are real people. And then when you talk about them and you speculate, they're kind of like, Hey, I'm just trying to live. Right. But it it becomes this weird thing of like, well, people are following influencers like celebrities, but they're real people and they're not celebrities with the, with the, you know, guise of, you know, being in a character or with the privacy barriers of serious, serious money, security, compound, you know what I mean? So it's like, they have I'd argue greater exposure than some mainstream celebrities. Well, it's interesting because a celebrity is usually putting themselves out there to promote an album, a movie, something. There's something bigger than themselves. But for most influencers, their business is themselves. Yes, exactly. Right. And so then that that's what's funny to me is like, but like, I also get it. Because when people are mean to me, I'm like, I just want to live. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Same. Just yeah. Like- so I, I, I don't want to be th- there's always a balance. And, and um, yeah, I, I struggle with it. It's, it's interesting to me. And I learn as I go. And I try to be honest, like, of when I've been too hard on people, what I've learned is I've gotten farther into it. Uh, but yeah, it's definitely it's, it's, it's fun kind of getting to know more influencers personally. And since people don't see me as a person who's speaking from the interest of influencers, I feel like I can get through to people about like, here, let's like try to like respect this, figure out, you know, a way to not be so um, I just think people like really want people's content to be very catered to their very specific interests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, how, it's just not how it works. How has it been for you? kind of becoming more of an influencer in your own right. Like you have about 50,000 followers on Instagram. You have this podcast. Like people are interested in you in addition to your opinions on other people. Like has that been weird for you or has um it's really on my audience is really really nice and cool for like 99% of the time because it's not really about me and it's about topics, right? Like I think I'm lucky because I don't have anything that really centers on me as a person. Like, obviously, I drop anecdotes and talk about myself on my podcast, but, like, I feel like a lot of my dialogue with people is about an event or a person or a thing or a concept, um, which is really cool. (laughs) Sorry. Um, And uh, I also think that I've backed off – as it's grown, I've backed off speaking to the camera. Mm. I've – I actively try to make it more about content and less about me. That's so interesting because I almost feel the opposite from an outsider perspective that I like your podcast and your platform so much because it's it's filtered through like a very specific lens and I understand who you are as a person versus more generic coverage of pop culture totally I agree. usually don't care about, but I'm yeah. interested in your take. So I feel like it for me, it has so much to do with you as a person, even if it's not here's what I ate today or, Mm -hmm. you know. Oh, that's an interesting way to look at it. Yeah, because – and it's the same way. I always say this about Bookstagram accounts. We're on Bookstagram. There's so many of these accounts that are just like nameless, faceless people. And I'm like, no, I want to know who's doing the recommending to understand like whose opinion or what lens this is being projected through. Yes. And so I always love the accounts that have more of a human behind them than just like – here are beautiful flat lays of books, even if they do have, like, the exact same taste as me. Yeah. There has to be a balance. No, you're totally right. And, like, I think that's what I want is I want it to be obviously in my voice and tone, um, but not necessarily have to be that much about my life. Yep. Um, Like, my perfect world is, like, writing books, being on the radio, being something where, like, my voice and my writing and my – what I make is well-known, but, like, I don't really need to be, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. But I don't, I don't mind. Like, it's just not really my uh, end goal. Yeah. 
Somebody asked, and this is kind of random, but I know you have a lot of opinions. Um, press trips, influencer trips. Oh, you They been, wanted us to talk about that. You've been very vocal that you want to go on press trips. And I know that Grace low-key hates press trips. So I want you yeah. guys to duke it out. Oh. I think maybe that's why they asked. Someone was like, I w-, they said, I want Grace and Kate to discuss press trips. And I was like, I don't understand why, but okay. Prepare your arguments. Well, on the pro, <laughs> we have Kate Kennedy. <laughs> well, I actually free trip. That is a pro. We but. probably don't disagree, though. I want to. I the reason I want to go on it isn't to do it. It's to see what it's like because I just feel like trips with groups of people, period, are hit or miss. Mm-hmm. Personalities, chemistry, all of that. <laughs> the requirements, um, contract wise, by the brand, to me, sound like the antithesis of fun. Fun is improvised. It's not there's it's and I am a big fan of scheduled fun, but these are not like they're not scheduled fun. It's just a huge itinerary from like 8 a.m. until midnight. And then in between, you're supposed to Instagram story like, I don't know, like 10 frames per day plus um, two feed posts or whatever it might be, plus a blog post at the end of the whole thing. And you're just like, I don't know how I'm going to do all this because I don't know. It's It's hard. It's honestly, I think it looks like I would be drained. Okay. I, I honestly want to see what it's like. And re- I so almost, you want to go just to report. I want to like break the fourth wall. Okay. okay. Two very specific follow-up questions. Yes. First, what is an influencer trip from the past, I don't know, recent while that you would have liked to go on just to be a fly on the wall is number Anything one. Anything Revolve does. Oh, my Anything God. Revolve. I just I, – I want to go feel the the – the depths of inadequacy <laughs> I would feel being on one of the trips because, like, honestly, I feel left out looking at photos. I can't imagine being there. Like, I think I think there's like cool. We could girl. go and be like the moms. Like, well, <laughs> I think it'd the be house fun. mom. Yeah, I think it'd be fun to go and be a person like not in a bikini. Yeah, it's like I I just think that there I'm hanging out in my caftan over my one piece. Yeah, exactly because that's like what I actually do, and I think Revolve is funny because. Um, they their brand, however inadvertently, is rooted in um, exclusivity, and they they pick big big influencers. They really focus on the bachelor people. They have their festivals. They are so Instagram worthy. Everybody is wearing fringe and boots with shorts, and everybody like is just like they look. They're like absolutely tiny, which I don't love, but they're like they make it seem like they're having the best time ever and like partying so hard. And you just, I can look at those videos and be like, these people, like, I feel like they, not that they would hate me, but they're just not the people I would normally be friends with. But I'm so interested is, are the interactions actually this genuine? Like, are they really mm. friends? Is it this fun? Or is it just like pose, pose, photo, laugh, da, da. Like how yeah. organic is it as I'm really interested in? But also just like that I want to know if the things that look the most fun and make the most amount of people feel left out on social media are actually fun. Oh, okay. Well, then maybe my second question is irrelevant, but which influencer trip would you want to go on just because it looks like a sick time i think who did a great job recently is vital proteins they had a malibu trip where they invited a lot of funny women it were the women with the best content in terms of curated in terms of aesthetics they had heather mcmahon they had jackie schimmel um uh who else was there they had um morgan stewart from e a uh, uh, girl with no job was there. They had um, a few, they had like a handful of women who are more comedic and less in the normal influencer space, and their content was funny and memorable. And now I'm very aware of vital proteins and like collagen and like I really 
don't use it or really know much about it. But I just thought that was a, it was a smart way to experiment with a different type of uh, footage than like, it must look like this. It must be this beautiful. It must say this, this amount of times, like what's, what happens if people just are themselves and we don't put too many restrictions around it? How does the brand get out there? Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a good one. But I, I, I also, I just get a kick out of influencer, uh, not even like the press trips, but also like uh, posts from like aerial views of breakfast in bed or like aggressive bathtubs or like, I, I just think a lot of it's funny with um, showing people like the absolute best of the place you are um, and the way people travel because of how they see influencers travel. Like mm-hmm. they think their days are going to be like dense with these like premium things. And like the reality of travel is there's a lot of downtime. There's a lot of planning. There's a lot of disappointment. There's like. And taking those very specific photos takes yeah. so much work. Whether it's an influencer or a regular person. Like yes. It's just like that bathtub shot or that aerial photo you get in bed, you end up. Like, I've seen influencers order way more food than they're actually going to eat because they have to have that perfect photo. Or, like, yes. it's so wasteful. A lot of fruit. And so dumb. So much fruit. So many pastries. So yeah. many croissants. The key is, they're, if, they're, if they're drinking coffee, I have, I'm using air quotes, look to see if their French press is pressed. Um, <laughs> because the, so people forget to press it. And I'm like, you didn't pour it. You eat, drinking grounds? <laughs> Like, it's such, like, a dumb, pretentious thing, but it, that, those are, I love, like, noticing those little things, but... You have such a good eye for those things. I, I just think state... I think I think fine staging to be very funny, and that's mm-hmm. why I talk about a lot of, like, the Christmas and fall stuff, too, uh, because I think that um, it, it's all beautiful and it looks great, but when you actually look at it, you're like, what's happening? Um, and, like, couple travel couples, I think, are really funny, too, because just my husband would never... Oh my god! Like spoon me in a bathtub with like a fruit plate next to us. Like no, (laughs) just would never happen. (laughs) Anyone I've ever dated would be like, no, Grace. Like I'm not doing that. It takes a. Honestly, I think a lot of bloggers are super successful because their husbands get involved. They take the photos. Like it would be nice. Yeah. To have a built-in like business partner, but also if it's not your dynamic, you shouldn't worry about it. It would drive him crazy. Yeah. (laughs) Another thing that I'm curious to hear everyone else's thoughts on this was a listener question somebody asked if we can discuss ariel charnas and they would really love everyone's opinions do you have any it's funny i people really um i think she's great like i she doesn't really uh trigger me in any way like i think she knows her brand she is a wealthy woman that lives in new york has two adorable children and she i think people are off put that her swipe ups it's like oh like you guys are asking about my sweater you swipe up it's six grand it's not relatable to everybody um but you don't have to be everything to everybody. I think balance is important. I think high and low is important. But if the, if your life is that, you wear that, then I guess that's fine. Um, I just I, – my argument is always like, you know, it, it's one thing if your life has always been that way and it's different if it changes as a result of your influence. I think mm. when people start to post really fancy stuff that essentially their audience bought for them <laughs> through their engagement yes. – it's off-putting because they really identified with with the person that you were. Um, but as far as I know from when I follow her, she's always been pretty uh, – she's always had higher-end taste. Yeah. And I think she – you know, I also respect people that branch out and uh, brand things that have product lines that do it well. She seems to have success with Nordstrom. I don't know. I don't really have, like, an opinion about her. And I'm not – I don't even know if I understand if and how she's polarizing. I don't – she's somebody that I'm very 
um, meh on in that I followed her in the past. I don't follow her. I don't dislike her. I'm just, I was like, oh, I don't really care. She's a child, which sometimes for me is like, oh, I don't really relate that much to your life for some people. So I will unfollow influencers in that stage sometimes if I don't feel like I have like a really strong connection to them. But one thing I think is very interesting about her is that she's raised venture capital for her universe, for Mm -hmm. for her blog slash – slash um line slash whatever so I'm, I'm in that way i'm very curious to see what happens right um because I, I think with somebody like mariana hewitt like with summer fridays there's like a very proven entity versus i don't necessarily feel that with something navy so i'm very curious to see what she will do with those dollars and if it will then become a new trend that influencers are taking money to build their platform because vcs are always looking for the next big thing we're like yeah you know, a couple of years ago, it was like every toothbrush company in the world. Right, every subscription box, yeah. Now it's like maybe it'll be bloggers. So I'm very curious from that aspect to see what happens with that and whether that starts a trend or yeah. ends a trend. No, I think it's a good point. And like, that's why I respect the hell out of Julia um, from Galmeets Glam for building She's out like the hardest work a supply person. chain, for mm-hmm. building out, for designing, doing the patterns for her dresses. Like, she actually built a business. Um, I don't know like the ins and outs of something maybe, but a lot of times those types of deals are licensing deals, right? And you're, you're not you don't actually own a business, but you're still doing a great thing. But I do think that there are different types of influencer businesses, and it is interesting to raise VC for um, a kind of branding venture and yes. not like a manufacturing venture. Yes. And maybe she'll flip to that. Maybe she's right. looking to get out of Nordstrom. This is pure speculation. I have no idea. The um, only caddy thing I would maybe say is I feel like she. The videos of her husband sometimes I'm like, I, I I kind of worry sometimes that like she 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 does she posts so many things and mm-hmm. I don't know if she always looks at them. Like what does she do? Like I think her husband like it always doesn't always show him in the best light. Oh how so? I don't follow her so I need to know these things. Yeah, yeah. I don't follow her either. You don't? Yeah, mm-hmm. I I I don't know. I think that's I feel like if I see anything about her, it's more so about her husband who like doesn't seem to want to be there. <laughs> <laughs> or like, oh. and not about their marriage, but I mean like at events or mm-hmm. something's going wrong or things are crazy with the kids or whatever. And that is life. Right. But I do think that um, like if people were starting to talk about my husband, it would upset me and I'd maybe like filter it a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I, I honestly beyond that don't know, but I, I respect anybody who's able to monetize this blueprintless field because there's – there's so many ways you could go. Yeah, I think overall she's doing a good job. I met her once and I expected her to be really stuck up and she was absolutely lovely. I was at a table at like a fundraiser with her and she literally talked to everyone at the table. She was so gracious and took selfies with anyone who walked by and wanted to take a picture with her. And I just like as someone who is rather introverted, I really I was watching her and I just really admired like how gracious she was yeah. and how kind she was to everyone around her. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. I'm I love to be pleasantly surprised yeah. or for people to meet or exceed expectations and yeah, I think people deserve all the credit in the world if they maintain that sort of humility and kindness. It's awesome. Yeah. The only thing I'd say is I do worry about like the whole inspiration thing. Like it it makes me nervous like seeing a body. Everybody is a different like some people are just naturally very, very thin, mm-hmm. but I don't want girls to go on there and think they have to look like that to be successful. Oh man, this yeah, this is like such a conversation. I feel like um, I a hundred percent agree. I don't want to say like, oh, she's unhealthy because who knows? She maybe eats a ton. Like I don't know, or maybe she has a medical issue. That's yeah, nothing. Like I'm not railing on being too skinny. I just maybe wish 
Like, sometimes the bikini shots that she posts and stuff. And then you see, like, hundreds of girls underneath, like, being like, goals, goals. And, like, that makes me, like, yes, like, admire Ariel's business and what she's built. Because she's built, a, like, a very successful business. But don't – I don't know. It makes me – it just makes me nervous and a little worried. Oh, yeah. And I think that's important to highlight. I'm glad you said that because I kind of forgot about that piece of it. Um, and it's not body her- snark. It's snarking on, like, that being goals. Exactly. It's, it's um, if a lot of people are naturally very, very thin, and it, it, all bodies should be represented. It's hard because sometimes when the super thin ones get so popular, you like hope it's not rooted in like kind of gawking at that. But like her f- entire family's like stick thin. They're all so small, and that's kind of why I've always been like, I think this might, you know, she's it's more of a genetic thing, and honestly, it doesn't really matter as long as she's healthy but i think it is concerning when you see the comments and i think it is hard to separate at times an influencer's intentions from how the um, audience receives it Mm -hmm. uh and i don't know if there's any way to prevent that sort of thing like i i my pet peeve is showing off your body postpartum i think that's incredibly damaging i think everyone's experience is different like i think that that is like um like i don't really always get no, I mean, if, if you're showing off like your stretch marks and like your real body, that's great. When tiny people that you they maybe did or didn't look like they have a baby, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't like that. Yeah, there's certain situations that I feel like um, aren't aren't healthy for to share among a large group of women that could potentially be in a vulnerable situation that are, um, you know, just I, I just think any time it's centered on like self-acceptance and not like look at me and this like really favorable genetic situation I'm in um, or whatever. Like, yeah, it's 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 a hard conversation because it's not really on us to talk about somebody's body, but it is on them to communicate it in a way that isn't like uh this is the right way to look yeah i don't know how to yeah talk i don't know i think postpartum stuff in itself is very interesting because i didn't really think about much of this because i've obviously never had a child and my sister was like really triggered by an influencer's post um this influencer just like made new motherhood look like so perfect and beautiful and was just posting like really beautiful curated photos and everything looked so perfect even on stories and my sister and her gave birth around the same time. So she, she was just like one, she just like really like exploded and was like, this is so damaging. This is so awful. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, I just thought that was a cute photo, like as a passerby. And I didn't really think about that, but the way that pregnancy and new motherhood is portrayed, I think that can also just like the whole thing can be very damaging just from making it look really easy because oh, then yeah. you see some like if you're struggling and you see that that just makes you feel even worse like you're doing something wrong. That's Absolutely. one thing that I really appreciate about Hitha in yeah. terms of how often she calls out her privilege in terms of having help. Mm-hmm. Like it was yes. very difficult to follow her without knowing that she has a nanny, she has a housekeeper, her parents live with her. Like she's very upfront about that where yeah. I feel like she doesn't rub it Mm-hmm. in your face that she's the CEO of a business and then, you know, raising two kids and like, she's like, look at me. She's like, oh no. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I have help. She's such a great content creator without shtick. Mm-hmm. She's just a, she's a person, like a very smart person who is making family life and work life appear in a very uh, 
in a way that just doesn't seem like exaggerated either way. I feel like it's like, you know, uh, my kids are angels. Everything's perfect. Motherhood changed me. It lifts me up where we belong. All I need is motherhood. And then it's like, <laughs> uh, everything happens for a Riesling. I'm drinking. I hate my children. Like, I, there's like, I just am like, what do normal moms do? Because like, I'm a person that's very on the fence about all of that. Like, and, and, and it actually, that that's kind of the joke is more so than other types of content. Mom content is what really triggers me because I think like these are depictions of motherhood that I'm seeing and then they're forming the way I think about it, which mm -hmm. is really weird. Yeah. Even if it's not real life, you know, but yeah, I think anytime you have a platform, there's a balance of, uh, you know, showing your real life, but fully acknowledging when your real life does not look like everybody else's and speaking in a way that does not suggest that yours is the right way, the only way, or that anybody should feel inadequate if they aren't that way. And I think it's hard because you speak from your own personal experience. But like you said with Hitha, you know, you have to be transparent about help, I think. Mm -hmm. And I've, I said that once and I got a lot of back, like kind of flack about like, they don't owe us anything. You don't have to say that. Like celebrities don't say that. Da -da -da, that's implied. I don't know. I guess you could see it a bunch of different ways. But but with celebrities, I think it's a baseline assumption. Yes. They're not trying to be like, I'm a normal person. Right. Like, you know. But I'm with Ariel Charnas, I, that's a baseline assumption to me. The woman has millions of followers. Like, if you've, if you've seen her apartment, you don't think that she's like the one cleaning it and like right. watching her child all day. And she also shows her nanny on stories and things. Well, what about on not just Ariel, but on other people. I'm curious, do you think influencers have inflated rates? It's so funny. The, the the assumption is always like they're doing something like wrong or sinister, or, like undeserving. Um, but everyone's rates are different. There isn't a rate card. Um, I think it's an amalgam of, of uh, literal exposures, your engagement, your what you uniquely bring to the table, your synergy with the brand. And I think you're entitled to charge with for whatever you think you deserve for it, and you should own it. <laughs> I'm yeah. curious. This this question came from somebody who works in influencer marketing, so I don't know if the unsaid thing here is that they believe. Oh, that's yeah. an interesting. Okay, that's interesting. Um, I think some definitely do. Well, it's a supply and demand market, so yeah. I think like yeah. if you can get paid that rate, then you know it, it's frustrating from the brand side. So yeah. when we worked at Bobble Bar, we used to do YouTube advertising. And we used to call it the Dove effect because it was very it was around the same time that Dove was doing their Real Bodies campaign. YouTube was a very new space. They would come in and one of these CPG brands, Dove being one of them, but not the only one, would pay somebody an absorbent fee. And then the person would turn around and say, well, because they were willing to pay this to me, this is my rate. And it was very frustrating from the brand side to be like, well, you know, on a CPM or based on how many followers you have, like this is a crazy rate. And also I think there's something to be said for what are you advertising? So like for something like body wash that is a drugstore brand is maybe like less sexy to your audience than prestige skincare or clothing or something. So, you know, maybe they have to pay more. But yeah. I think that, that was one really frustrating thing is like you would be priced out of influencers because the minute somebody wants to pay your rate, yeah, that's your rate. But at, on the flip side of it, like not trying to buy influencer posts, just speaking as both a consumer of influencer culture and, you know, somebody who's like adjacent to it, watching you, Grace, like make your career in it. It's like, good for you. Like the yeah. ceiling should be however much that you can get somebody to pay you. Yeah. If you if if you stand behind your value and can tease out some sort of conversion data that warrants it, like 
I think it's all relative to how much return they're ultimately going to get. And if you inflate to a point where people aren't seeing any sort of, you know, movement with their brand, you're not going to work with them again. The agency is probably going to notice. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that that could be a starting point. But if you're, it's really not there, you're only going to shoot yourself in the foot. Yeah. Agencies talk, like people talk. It's, I think you do have to be mindful, but um, yeah, to your point, it's like if, if you're operating on a CPM, if you're operating on eyeballs only, there are typical rates for what that should cost in like a digital space, like a ballparks, right? But it depends, yeah, the type of content and whatever. And um, I also think that when you think about it tr- uh, relative to traditional TV, to digital, to these highly expensive mediums that are solely based on eyeballs, not on retention, awareness, conversion, that are really hard to tease out the full sales funnel of, influencers are quite cheap. Definitely. But I think that on an aggregate basis, like there are some influencers who are charging not like a Super Bowl TV spot, but like, you know, like the spot cost of like a post with Ariel Charnas versus, you know, like what the TV equivalent would be. It's like it's huge. Like there you would know way better than me. I, I, and when I worked with clients, it was A, in like 2014 for the last time. And the, uh, I thought everyone whose media plan I looked at, I was, it seemed so nominal. Right. Times have changed. And also, yeah, I mean, if if it's that type of money, you better make sure you're getting some return on it because that's wild for one person. Totally. But I mean, what is return is another question where it's like, I think brand value and association, like the same way that, you know, CoverGirl for years and years has had Drew Barrymore and Emma Stone and whomever be faces of their brand just to like associate it with them. Like that's kind of what influencer culture is now. So it's like, here's my rate for you to be associated with me. Yeah, and I think that that's the art and science of marketing is is you uh, whatever you hope that even if you can't tease them out directly to any KPI, they're getting you as close as you can to your objectives. But a lot of it's going to be assumption based and mm-hmm. not quantifiable. And um, I think that that's every manufacturer advertiser's dilemma is like how much of this is um, like that's what everybody's management is always like. So what is this for? Like, what can you tie it to? But it's just just not that simple. It never was. And these are the questions I answered in my corporate job much more eloquently at the time, hopefully. But like, there's just not a straight answer. I know. It's such a weird thing. But then you look at brands like Revolve to loop back to that, who are built so heavily on influencer culture. And it's like, you know, what are these trips directly doing for them? Like, no, probably not much. But it's just like getting them in front of people as like cool and... I don't, sexy is not the right word, but you know, like just yeah. shiny and like getting, keeping them very top of mind in a way that, you know, like I think their business is built very heavily off influencers and it's yes. probably not directly tied to revenue, but like as a whole, like the whole is greater than the sum of its parts almost. Yeah. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah. And it's like, you know, a reach and frequency play, like the same brands work with the same people or types of people all the time. There, It's a, it's a long term. There's a tail. Um, and like, I think, uh, like, I think FabFitFun's a great example of somebody who's of a company that's leveraged influencer culture beautifully to the point where they've used a different mix of people with a level of frequency that the, the awareness is just there now. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think that that's like, um, there, there's a few companies that have really kind of pioneered like the influencer saturation with like, this is our primary medium and not just like a small part of our media buy. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I know. I, I mean, I could talk about marketing all day. It's, I think it's so interesting. And so um, it, it's, 
you just want it to be more of a science than it is. And at the end of the day, it's like, there's just a lot of like goodwill, brand equity, awareness, like you just, these variables that you just hope for the best, which is like a terrible thing to say to your boss in a meeting. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. I think as an influencer, I try and be really thoughtful about my pricing for everyone I work with. So there could be a brand like Olay, which Olay, for example, like I'm not going to drive whatever it is in sales that they're paying me because their cream is maybe $30 and I'd have to sell like like 10 – I'm not charging them $30,000, but I'd have to char- sell so many bottles. And a lot of times people leave and they go into the drugstore, but they bought it because they saw it on my site. But for a retail partnership, for example, I will – you know, I have a very extensive data through my affiliate network and I can say like, actually, like I worked with you this year and I, like I had a, a long-term partnership with one brand and I drove three times the amount of sales than what they paid me in, in the calendar year. Mm-hmm. So that is great data that says, okay, like this was worth it for them. Yeah. But I, and that doesn't even include people who went into the store and bought something. So it's hard. I think that establishing pricing as an influencer is really hard, especially if you're not with a big agency or someone who's just like throwing these numbers into the air. Because I know that I charge a lot less money than a lot of friends who are signed with some of those bigger agencies. But I also always want to to be providing value and I want to get that repeat business. And I want people to come and work with me again. Yeah. Um, and that's it's yeah, interesting. a smart strategy where it's more sustainable than trying to get the highest ticket. Yeah, because, you know, people talk about the whole influencer bubble bursting and stuff. And I think if it – I don't think it's going to anytime soon, but I think if it does, it's going to be because people aren't getting value and they're getting ripped off because people are doing – they're buying followers, they're buying likes, they're buying comments even. They're participating in these – Kardashian giveaways and gaining a hundred thousand followers overnight. They don't give a fuck about them. Right. I, I did it. I swore just like I did on your podcast. <laughs> but I just think um, it's so important to be honest and like set rates in a way that's really manageable. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And that's a good part I didn't think about too. Is um, the it's not just about what the influencer thinks they deserve. It's also about the ethics of how they're representing their audience that is like a big problem that i yeah that i kind of forget about but 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 companies like reward style and shop style have made it so that you can pull all of that data and say i you know i did this these are my results and that makes it a lot easier and not every not every partnership is about driving sales sometimes it's just the awareness yes um jen uh jen lake is uh we recorded last week she'll oh, be on I my love podcast her. yeah she's i a love good her friend. too she um and you know i think she's a really interesting person because she didn't quit her job right like mm-hmm. she is she's a one foot in one foot out like she's I don't in the know business how she does of influencer everything. marketing and she's an influencer mm-hmm. um and I, I was talking about how people get recruited for these trips and like i had no idea that agencies now had the, the, the level of sophisticated, granular analytics that she has. Interesting. And how they pick people in terms of like, they really can tell who is legit and who isn't. Hmm. Yeah. And I think it's getting better over Based time. Based on what? I, I, there's, I think there's a lot of third-party like data mining tools that 
I, like I don't really get it because Instagram got rid of their API because there used to be awesome Instagram analytics from third parties that you can't get anymore. Okay, let's take a quick break to talk about a sponsor before we talk about pop culture and some quick questions for Kate. So this episode is brought to you by Night, our all-time favorite sleep brand. They are the makers of our absolute favorite pillow. It's a memory foam pillow for comfort with a silk case that really does wonders for your skin and your hair. And I think you know this if you listen to our podcast, but we're both completely obsessed and I couldn't imagine sleeping without mine. Oh my gosh, I love my night pillow so much. And I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners got the night pillow during the Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. Speaking of DMs, my DMs were exploding about that and it made me so happy because like every time we convert a new person to night, I'm just like, you're gonna sleep so much better. I know. I wanna know what you think of it if you if you are a new convert. Yeah. So please, please do DM us if you try it and you love it and have a story to share. But um, for me, I'm just such a bad sleeper. It's made a huge difference in my sleep. I'm a total insomniac. And I just, I also like to say that this is a great gift for anyone that you really want to treat them to something nice, but you're not really sure what to get them. So someone like your mother-in-law, um, it's a wonderful present that she's definitely going to love, but um, it's just great for when you don't know what to get them. Yeah, it's a great pillow. But we need to talk about their new products, though. So Knight sent us both the new colored pillowcases, and I'm so happy about these. So I got the pale blue, and Grace got white. And it's so nice because now I don't have to hide my night pillow because the original pillowcases are black, which didn't match my bedding. People would always message me and be like, I don't see the night pillow on your bed. Like, where is it? And it's, I was like, I, I would hide it under the duvet cover and then put the other pillows that I don't sleep with on top of it. But um, it is such like I just think the colored pillowcases and white because white's not technically a color is such a game changer. Um, the other th product that I love, especially as a gift, is the travel pillow. So, and I'm speaking about the travel neck pillow. Someone messaged me and asked if it was the travel case or the smaller pillow, but it's the neck pillow. So I take that on every flight. I even take it on train rides and long car rides. It's just wonderful, and it would be the perfect gift for someone who loves to travel. Or one last product that I'll plug is our favorite the sheet masks. So they have gold in them and they really give your skin a glow. They're perfect for um for like a big night out. Yes, absolutely. Or I mean just get them the classic pillow. That's that's wonderful too. So um I just think that you when you give someone the night pillow, you're giving them something that they're actually going to use every night. And maybe they wouldn't have treated themselves to it with their own money. Completely. So if you're looking to be a gifting hero this holiday, night pillow is absolutely the perfect present. So you can get 20% off with our code. Head to discovernight.com and enter code BOP20 at checkout. So again, that's discovernight.com and enter code BOP20 at checkout. So now we're going to switch gears to pop culture questions, and I'm probably just going to take a nap over here because I don't know anything about pop culture, or maybe I'll learn something new. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe you're going to be an expert by the end of this. Yeah, make me a pop culture expert. Um, Kate, I'm curious what your pop culture news consumption is like. Like, where do you where do you consume pop culture? Um, I really like Daily Mail just for like the top line of nonsense. Even though I think that a lot of what they do is a, a problem. Um, I also I like uh, I like sources where people talk more than news sources. So I love Reddit. Like I love, love, love Reddit. And I know that like all any forum that's crowdsourced has its major issues, obviously. Um, but I really like Reddit. I really like Tumblr. I really like uh, Facebook groups 
for pop culture, for pop culture podcasts, for different things. Like I, I kind of will get the hit, hit the high notes. I mean, I love like, you know, the cut and I love some of the really good um, curated mediums that highlight really interesting angles on stories. Like I follow so much media. Um, but I think that where I what I really enjoy is reading the meat of people's response to it and doing more so a gauge of um, general sentiment. Okay. Now, I feel like we would be remiss if we talked to you and didn't talk about Taylor Swift. Mm-hmm. Can you give me the high points on your relationship with Taylor Swift? Like, Yeah, yeah. What made you such a stan? <laughs> Look at you using stan correctly. I know. Um, no, I like it took a while to get here. (laughs) (laughs) I think like all of when she started, I was, I don't know, 18, 19, like we're in the same age range. Like, I feel like her life kind of progresses this like soundtrack of mine as well that like, I've just always really enjoyed her music. But beyond that, like I'm a writer, I love words, I find her to be brilliant with words. And I really respect her confessional songwriting ability. I think she's very torched for doing what everyone else is doing. But she's called whiny, and she's called catty. And you know, I think there's some interesting double standards there. But beyond that, I think she's a talented marketer. Like I, I'm not a weird hyperbolic super fan. Like, I really just think that she's a person that kind of gets a lot of um, a lot of flack for doing things that, you know, people will brand as calculated or whatever that are honestly strategic and smart. And I just try to defend that side of her. I've also, you know, I think it's really entertaining to read like the depths of conspiracy theories about people. I just find it entertaining. And uh, her lyrics leave up a lot up for analysis. So when I talk about her music, it's because A, I like her and B, I have a history with her, but also I want it to be more like an AP lit class than like a Taylor Swift fandom. Like I like to analyze things, um, not because I'm a blind supporter, but because I think she actually... It totally is AP lit. Yeah, I I think she produces art. And like, I think that people just really write off pop music as not being capable of having any like depth, meaning, whatever. But I think she's like a very talented writer. And I think it's important, even if you don't like somebody, that it's like, okay, like she can write a hit song. Like she's pretty good at it. So anyways, it's kind of a funny thing where like... I was listening to an interview with John Mayer, and he's like, all anybody ever talks about is, like, Your Body is a Wonderland. And that's, like, my least favorite song. <laughs> but it's, like, his most well-known. Yeah. yeah. And that's kind of my uh, – um, that's how I feel about my doormat sometimes, and that's how I feel about Taylor Swift sometimes because um, she's a part of what I talk about. And she's definitely, like – there's so much there, and it's so fun and entertaining, and her fandom's so interesting and engaged. But also, I feel like I get put in that box a lot and I and I kind of like you know I'm not a Taylor Swift podcast you know mm-hmm. so it's a funny relationship I have with it wait so one question from listeners that I loved was they asked if Taylor Swift were to get back with any one of her boyfriends which one would you pick I mean I just think it would be like epic in general if like you know any of the randoms she mentioned in her first album like teardrops on my guitar was about a dude named drew she has a song named hey steven like i just think it'd be funny if like in some weird way it came full circle and she had like and that happened but like i actually don't really i'm not really a fan of any of the like you know i i think there's a lot of it was a bit uh press focused and not as legitimate as maybe it it looked but, like i'm not really that into calvin harris or like tom hiddleston or yeah, I did love Joe Tom Jonas. Hiddleston. Yeah, I'm just like, I didn't not love really them together, them. but I loved him in The Night Manager. Oh, did so you yeah, watch I never that? watched that. Oh, it's a no. great show. Yeah. People like him. As, is he Thor? I, I sound like such the mom in this group. Like, I'm like, oh, this really He's a nice boy. Show. He's a nice, you know, he's a beautiful man who's way too old for Taylor. 
You should be dating me instead. Yeah. Well, the funny thing about that is like that they the, the day Kim Kardashian came out with that GQ article like in 2016 saying um, I have the audio footage because we're recording a documentary of Taylor agreeing to her being talked about in Kanye's song. The day like that bombshell was dropped is the day Taylor Swift and Joe and um, Tom Hiddleston appeared on the rocks in Rhode Island in like a Land's End ad. She's a genius. They were contacted for quote. They knew that was coming out. Taylor gets with Tom and eclipses the entire story that Kim dropped. People need to pay attention to stuff like that. It's very, it's very. Oh, I didn't know any of this. It's this very is so purposeful. Juicy. Yeah, and like I mean, that's I mean, Grant, I don't know anybody, but like it's you know, if you contact somebody's camp for comment who runs an empire, she's not just a person. She like literally employs probably thousands of people. She's worth so much money. Like she's running a business, and they're like, comment on this bomb we're about to drop that makes your you know you look like a liar. What do you do? You divert. Mm-hmm. And she did, and like well, and. You know what I mean? It's it's interesting. It's like you can see that as being really manipulative or you can see it as doing what's necessary to market yourself in a way that you feel represents you more closely to who you are because somebody else is coming after you and you need to defend yourself. It's I, I think that's the side of like PR I find really um, fascinating. Yeah. Roundabout answer. Someone asked, what are your thoughts on the – I don't know what this is, so – bear with me. Someone asked, what are your thoughts on the Prince Andrew and Taylor Swift Grammy snub? Those are two <laughs> – those are two hilariously separate questions, I think. Oh, like, I was going to say. I want to like, know, like, what do you why think about the, Prince Andrew's? That was the exact question. Right, right. No, I totally believe it was written like that. Maybe it was because the DM question box was small. Exactly. I was like, I don't know what this What do you is. think about Prince Andrew, comma? Because I think they, the question is Prince Andrew's involvement with Epstein and then Taylor getting snubbed at the Grammys. I think <laughs> Prince, this is so different than the question I had. Yeah. I was like, how is she involved with him? I thought Prince maybe Andrew she needed snubbed him at yeah. the Grammys. Like he tried to say hello yeah. to her. Oh, and she I was... mean, unless I'm missing something, I don't think Oh, so. no, I'm not saying this from any place of I'm so knowledge. glad Becca was clueless, too. Um, no, it's just a funny way to write it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think Prince Andrew, he stepped down from his duties. I think he's obviously guilty by association. How much he knew about the, the women's ages and when – he can continue to lie. It's kind of hard to prove, but I just think the writing's on the wall and like he's in all the photos and th- this ring runs so much deeper than we'll ever even know. And I think the scary thing is everybody's protecting each other right now and I hate it so much. And I honestly, that's my opinion. Um, but so yeah, I, I don't, I'm not a big uh, Prince Andrew fan. I thought his his interview about it was so insensitive and poorly done. And that's why they probably had him step down. Um, Taylor Swift's Grammy snub. I don't know. I think... I think um, artist appreciation ebbs and flows. She's won a lot of Grammys. I think there's a lot of other great talent. There's, you know, like the Lizzo's of the world, people having their moment that get nominated for a ton of Grammys. I support recognition being representative of whatever is popular at that time. And while I think her album is fantastic, I also don't think awards are everything. And I don't think quality and recognition are always directly proportionate. And I think it's fine. Like It is what it is. She still got nominated several times, so I'm not too upset about it. Like, that's an example of a thing that wouldn't really affect me. You know, like, I think her fans, like, really were like, what the hell? And I'm kind of like, oh, happy for the people that got nominated, you know? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) This is interesting. If you could only pick three pop culture phenomena to talk about on your podcast ever, which would you choose? Uh, I think influencers, because I think that they're, I think, like, that whole world is interesting, and it's just not something regular news outlets report on. Mm Mm-hmm even though we're all very interested. And I think that's like an f- interesting white space. Um, I uh, I love, love, love talking about all things nostalgic pop culture. I 
think that there's just like a lot of magic and like sensory memories of how these things like shaped our lives. And um, I, and those are always my most popular episodes. Um, And the third one's hard. Like, I really do like to um, push it a bit with like bridging pop culture with like another more serious issue, kind of like Mormon Mommy Bloggers or True Love Waits. Like True Love Waits was a marketing initiative that is nostalgic of the Southern Baptist Convention, but it also bridges into religion and, and, and women's issues and, you know, self-esteem and, uh, you know, having a healthy relationship with sex, being sex positive, like things I care about. And I, that is my sweet spot. That is what I love is like when something that is uh, trivial or pop culture related on the surface actually has a great deal of depth and influence in people's lives and is worth dissecting in a way people maybe aren't doing on a day-to-day basis because it's just gone. Like I think people didn't really overthink the way they were talked to about sex. And then they were like, oh, yeah, why am I so like uncomfortable or up- uptight or whatever about this thing? And I think – and that's what I love and I think is the power of podcasts is if anything that's thought-provoking, anything that helps anybody – you know, kind of work through something or think about twice about it, be more empathetic towards somebody else because of it. Like, that's more like who I am than like the super, you know, high level, like celeb gossip stuff. Like, I love all that, but it means more to me when I can bridge all of those things. The most salacious thing I'm reading between the lines here is that you're throwing Taylor Swift and the whole Bravo empire overboard. Yeah, I am. Oh, I know. Um, Well, like, I think if I had to talk about something for the rest of time, I would rather it be a new fledgling industry that has only growth potential like influencers, Um, something that I have a reservoir of knowledge in, which is like all things nostalgia and that brings people joy. And then, yeah, being able to bridge any sort of serious issue with any of those gives me meaning and purpose. And yeah, so if I had to do that forever, yeah. I do like Bravo, but... You know, I think that a lot of people recap shows a lot better than I can. So I even kind of haven't I, I try not to do too much of that because I don't think I do it very well. <laughs> Wait, so do you have any big pop culture or influencer trend predictions for 2020? Ooh, um, I think I'm honestly really interested to watch how people continue to build like brands and empires and like commoditize their their popularity, make it into whether it's products, whether it's. You know, people become coaches, people, you know, have more media outlets, people make different types of content. I just I think there's a lot of room for innovation, but the temptation becomes doing the thing you see other people doing well. Mm -hmm. And I love when people really completely do something different. And I I don't know, that's what I get excited about is seeing how people really leverage the platform to do something like different and respectable and that moves the needle in some way, shape or form. And I don't know, I, I, I think that there's. I just don't really believe in the bubble, I guess. I just think it, it evolves, and I think influencers aren't going anywhere. And I think it, it'll be really great to see how they um, mold it into a blueprint that people will follow going forward when there still kind of isn't one. Yeah. But And also I thought of earlier, you guys asked me what my next deep dive would be about. I have a couple things I didn't want to tease because I have so much work to do. But one thing I would love to talk about that I feel like I can't is I all I want is to do a deep dive about like weddings and bridesmaid culture. Oh, oh I yes. would love that. Um I have a lot I've been a bridesmaid a ton. I have a lot of thoughts about it. I did I went in on it maybe like 15 minutes one episode. You should have Becca as a guest. Um and I think it's something that like I I, I have so many issues with I didn't have bridesmaids. Like I mm. I really but I just want my friends to like have fun and to celebrate. And I don't, I don't want anyone ever around me out of any obligation whatsoever. That's just not something that brings me any joy. I want them to be there because 
they want to be. And I think sometimes these things complicate what should be otherwise joyful celebratory occasions and murky the water and what, I don't know. I, so yeah, that if I could do a deep dive and if I could talk about something for hours, it would be that it's very tricky because I never, ever want to offend any of my friends or them mm-hmm. think I'm not completely honored. It's not about that. It's about the, the kind of, uh, culture of like what it is and what everybody does just because that's the way it's done right and it's not really ever like rethought yeah so that that would be like one i'd love to do if i could find a way to not upset people i hear you so we're going to move on to a quick and random rapid fire session okay what's your favorite lipstick uh revlon uh black cherry it's always sold out Hmm. i've never tried that your teeth are perfect. Do you whiten them? And if so, with what? They're like not, but what happens is in photos, they do that cartoon thing where they sheet. Like I think the shape of my smile, they look in photos straighter and whiter than I think they are. But I did do Invisalign. I've, I had braces and then I did Invisalign late in life and I might do another round for my top teeth because my mouth's crowded and they don't stay straight and it drives me crazy. But thank you. I just don't think that, I think in photos are often different than real life. But do you whiten them? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I use Crest White Strips. I don't have like a one of those like intergalactic light up things that people promote. <laughs> Crest White Strips are great. Yeah, they're not corrosive on my teeth. I think they're bad for people with sensitive teeth, but I'm a fan. I've had great luck. What is your favorite doormat saying? Um, I have one that I like think is clever that is un- I feel like never took off, but it's like a take on the song "Don't Stop Believing," but it says "Don't Stop." comma b e space l e a v i n g like believing like because a lot of people have ones that say like go away the neighbors have better stuff like there's a lot of like go away stuff but there's one that's like yeah i i just always thought that was like a, a good play on words um that said the same thing as don't stop believing but like i don't know i just it never got picked up but that's the type of wordplay like i like and that isn't commercially popular but the one person who has bought that mat three times is Kristen doty from vanderpump rules because <laughs> she's so from funny. detroit and i think they love that song Okay. <laughs> How did you settle on the name Tugboat for your dog? My friend, when I was 14 years old, said it um, in passing, and I was like, that's the cutest dog name I've ever heard. I will name my dog that one day, and I never forgot it. I don't know what this is about, but somebody wants to know, did Claire eat the muffins? It's from my sorority episode. I read an email <laughs> about um, th- this like sorority email that went down in history was about is a girl um, like admonishing the this entire listserv about a somebody who ate the muffins the night before like a parents weekend thing and it was it's just a really funny email and like my friend my little sister my sorority claire i just all randomly pepper into episodes that she ate the muffins because it makes her mad but it's kind of become a piece of lore because i actually kind of think she might have but i don't really know um so it's kind of just a funny personal anecdote that people have like really taken to and it's become like a podcast inside joke what is the best gift you've ever given or received um, given I gave Greg, I tried to remake the, uh, there's a popular, was a popular Givenchy shirt with this really, is it not a Doberman? It's like this, uh, really like fierce dog with its teeth out and it's like kind of slobbery and it's like kind of a scary dog shirt. I photoshopped tugboat onto that dog, but kept the mouth and it, it looked like I wanted it to look like this Givenchy shirt, but like with tugboat, my fluffy, like Shih Tzu. And it's like pretty funny. It's to us. And, but flip that the best thing I've ever received. I love um, like twinkle lights and outdoor ambiance things. And one time I was on a business trip to New York and I came back and Greg had strung the entire uh, like back patio, like fully with, um, 
twinkle lights like kind of like out of nowhere for no reason and it was just like very special for me and like just something I really like that didn't cost a lot of money but like I don't That's know I just so sweet. never had time to like get on a ladder and put them up yeah. and it was just like a really nice I'll always remember that and we he proposed to me in that same yard like a couple years later so Aww. yeah um do you have any ideas for a white elephant gift <laughs> um I saw on Amazon the other day it's so stupid but I guess that's a point right um there's uh, they're calendars they're the, they're like bubble wrap calendars and that you pop the days and like you can pop different shapes and it was just like a funny thing for like people that are really satisfied by that sort of thing because like as an adult even when I'm sent packages I still like kind of pop the bubble paper it's kind of mm. satisfying and tactile um but also I think there's like a lot of uh I mean obviously Twinkle Twinkle Social Media Star is a great one because it's like a parody book and it's my book but um that's always an option but yeah I don't know I think uh white elephants are just a big re-gifting exchange. So whatever bath and body set somebody gave you last year, just toss it on in. Do you want to know the most savage uh, white elephant gift I've ever witnessed? What? Um, at a work white elephant, probably like five years ago, there was this one. It was really heavy and everyone was like very intrigued by it. And um, like somebody picked it and they opened it and it was a fish, like a live fish in a fishbowl. That's a conundrum. And then nobody wanted to steal right. it. And then that person was like, oh, I, I own a pet now. Right. Now I'm responsible for a life. That oh would stress God. me out. I got my mom fish for Mother's Day one year because I thought it was such a great gift. And she was so upset. She's like, this is just one more thing I have to take care of. But I imagine you were a child, not in your 30s. I was in college, which is really bad. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, as bad. I actually, what I would love to get in one of those is like a 1990s board game like a mall madness a girl talk a dream phone like oh yeah like yeah. i would love to play one of those again and i think you could get them for pretty cheap if you ever saw like a no. vintage board game mall madness or uh oh, dream no. phone is really, it's really expensive. expensive but girl talk you can get for under 30 dollars oh, interesting. i love that we both know this <laughs> off the top of our head oh i've tried to order i'm like i they're hilarious not hilariously sexist but it's like hilariously um falling into tropes of like 90s teen movies of what girls care about and it's like it's, you get a zip it. Carl didn't call you back. It's like so it's stupid. It's also <laughs> such a creepy thing that you're like yeah. making these calls and being like, does Andrew like me? Right. Oh my gosh. What yeah. is that teaching you? Oh yeah. When I recorded with Ashley from Girls Gotta Eat today, we literally spent the entire time talking about how like like pathetic and awesome it was that our entire youth like how fueled you are when people like like you or like tell you you're pretty or like you have like a moment of like fleeting popularity and like how you you like almost look back on these times as, like being magical when you like got these types of attention that if you didn't always get them growing up and like I think crushes and boys are this thing that now I see so differently and I'm so frustrated that that girls young women even would get um, like boxed into that or like something they should care about but at the same time it was like kind of a hilariously magical aspect of growing up that like being a little bit boy crazy uh, that's kind of funny so we have one last question to end with what are three things you'd tell your younger self that kind of t goes hand in hand with this yeah yeah for sure um i think that like a big one for me was um realizing like you don't have to be having the time of your life when everybody else is like um, I felt very out of place in college, and I think that it was worsened by feeling like everybody was in their prime. And I think that I just didn't realize till later that my skill sets lended themselves, my interests lended themselves to adulthood. And like I really thrived after college when a lot of people felt like their life was over. And like it's just okay if not everything is your absolute prime and you don't need to feel like you're doing anything wrong. Um, kind of in that same vein, I think that um, 
you know, when you're younger and a homogenous atmosphere seems to be desirable, especially growing up, and there's something that makes you feel inferior to like lean into that thing because that means you're doing something different and that's ultimately what's going to make you successful. Um, like I used to get made fun of for like entering in poetry contests and like speaking at like borders, books and music and like po- like writing poems wasn't cool. But I published a book last year in the same town where I got ridiculed for publishing, you know, a poem in this contest in the year 2000 they were writing about my book. And then, you know, it it was kind of like this full circle moment where like, I always liked this and I always did it. And I'm glad my parents always made me feel like the things that mattered weren't looks or popularity or boyfriends. Because no matter what happened at school, I'd come home and I'd feel beautiful. I'd feel brilliant. I'd feel smart. And I'd feel like all the things I, a person should feel like um, that are sustainable in life. And I just feel like they always really, yeah, encouraged me to like do, even if it's not cool, do it anyway, if you love it. And that's helped me a lot in life. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just think that like, uh, when you're young, you think who you are, your context is so static. And I just think you evolve so much. I changed so much in my twenties. I'm so glad 18 year old me is not making decisions for me now. I'm so glad 25 year old me is not making decisions for me now. And I think relationships and jobs seem so dire. Um, but pain and, you know, leaving things behind and letting go of people who don't allow you to change. And um, I don't know, looking out for yourself along the way is really important. And I just never, if I could give advice to myself or anybody out there, it's like, don't let yourself get stuck. If you don't want to be, don't let anybody else not let you change. Um, And uh, I don't know, just kind of the things that are happening right now in your life, like will change and the people will change. So if you worry too much about what they think, like you're going to be so mad at yourself if you let it overtake your future because that they won't even be in, which is weird because, you know, friendships do change. And I think at the time I really thought things were forever and some are, but a lot aren't. And that's fine. Different people serve you at different phases in life. So those are kind of the things that I always think about in terms of what like kind of plagued me when I was younger that I would want to know. Kate, you've been a wonderful guest and, you have earned your very own desperation minute. Can you tell people where they can find you if they want to follow you or yes, support you? Yes, 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 of course. Um, thank you, by the way. It's very nice. Um, and thank you for having me, by the way. I love you. I love your podcast. I love you guys. You're so talented. And I feel like um honored that we have crossover listeners because I respect their taste if they love your podcast. And I feel I'm glad that they like same. mine, too. Yeah, we feel the same. Um, but uh, at be there in five on Instagram, F I V E, not the number five. I don't know who that guy is, but I just cannot get that handle from him. Um, and, uh, uh, the be there in five podcast, iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff by twinkle, twinkle, social media star. Um, and yeah, thanks guys. This is so fun. Thank you. Thank you. And go to the be there in five podcast to hear our interview with you guys, my interview with you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to take one last sponsor break. Today's episode is also sponsored by HelloFresh. So HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit, and it's our favorite way to get out of a cooking rut. Oh, man, I'm in such a cooking rut right now. I love that HelloFresh makes cooking a delicious homemade meal simple and easy, regardless of your culinary skill set, which I don't have much of that. Same. I also love that they send you everything pre-measured because I don't mean this in a sad way, but I'm usually cooking for one. So it's great that there's no waste or like random leftovers. 
I know. And everything can be made in about 30 minutes. I personally love the little step-by-step photo guides that they provide. It makes it impossible to mess up. Yeah, it's really the perfect way to avoid endless trips to the grocery store or worse, only ordering takeout, which I've definitely been guilty of. And it's really fun. I always say that their kits are like cooking classes in a box. Totally. There's something for everyone, too. They have family recipes, calorie smart and vegetarian recipes, and they're always switching up the menus. And they have more five-star recipes than any other meal kit, so you know you'll get something really delicious. Something I really love is that you can also add extra meals to your weekly order, or they have these yummy add-ons like garlic bread and cookie dough. So it's really easy to adjust your delivery days, your food preferences, and if you need to skip a week, you can always do that too. Totally. So I just made pork tenderloin from them. And it was so good. That sounds so advanced. Well, I know pork tenderloin is something that I would never buy at the grocery store. I've never cooked it before, but I felt empowered to try it because I knew I was going to get good directions. And it was a Hall of Fame recipe. So I felt like even more certain. Um, And it also had an apple carrot slaw on the side that was so good. It was overall like a great culinary experience that I made. I'm so impressed. So guys, we have a really great offer for you. Um, you can get nine free meals with HelloFresh by going to HelloFresh.com slash BOP9 and using code BOP9. So again, that's HelloFresh.com slash BOP9. Use code BOP9 to get nine free meals. Wow, what a deal. Yeah. Let's talk very quickly about all all of our other stuff. Yeah. Tell me what you are obsessed with. So earlier when I was talking about Christmas cheer, the candle that I was referencing, um, this is the one and my messages exploded because when we were visiting Merritt in Dallas, she had this candle burning and it's the Jackson Vaughn JV Hudson candle. And this is their Christmas candle. And the only place that I know that you can get it is shop at society and they have a website. It's shopatsociety.com. And I ordered four of them. I think they're $34. They That's sm- not terrible. Yeah, not bad. They smell fantastic. And they shipped really, really quickly. They do smell very good. It's a good Christmas candle. Yeah. What about you? So I have two. So the first is on Black Friday, the first thing I ordered was two kits to make sweaters from We Are Knitters. And it's this company that makes these knitting kits. It's actually the place where I got the first kit where I learned to knit. I got a scarf kit, which to be honest, you probably don't need a kit for, but you know, it it comes all together and you know, it's easy and they have very nice colors and their yarn is very nice. But I got two kits to make sweaters because my goal this winter is to learn how to knit a sweater. I'm so impressed. Well, I mean, don't be too impressed yet because I haven't finished it yet. So let's wait until I have it. And it's hopefully not like an ill-fitting monstrosity. We'll see. But I have two chances. Yeah. I'm excited. And the second thing, so I've been being very promiscuous the past six months with concealers. I can't find one that I like. Have you tried the Ilia one? That's my favorite. No, I haven't. It's a nice creamy one. But I've tried the NARS one. I was using a Tarte one for a moment. I just, I haven't found one that I love. And I got the Wander Beauty one. It's called the Duelist Concealer. And it's... Oh, the stick and then the liquid. Yeah. It's two-sided. And so one side is a crayon and then one side is liquid that's like illuminating. So I really like it because it's both. And I feel like the crayon is good for like 
big night out makeup when you're like mm-hmm. actually doing your makeup versus the other one's like a little lighter for every day. Ooh. So I like it so you both so when I travel, I have like both options, mm-hmm. but I'm very into it. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. What about on Instagram? So I'm bending the rules a little bit. So over the past 2 weeks, I have gotten so into TikTok. I like, know. Problematically into TikTok. Yes. So I saw my friend Molly posted a TikTok of a dog of like somebody with dogs in a Lizzo song. And I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. And so then I signed up for TikTok and I just started searching for animals. Like I'm like your weird aunt on TikTok. Like I don't follow anyone. I'm just looking at the explore page, like liking random shit. That's how I feel when I go on TikTok. Grace, I love TikTok, but I especially love the dogs of TikTok hashtag. Oh boy. Oh, it's great. I'm very into it. I've been posting a lot of TikToks to my Instagram story for people who might not want to get on TikTok, but I'm very happy to do the work for you. I'm into this. That's great. Grace is like looking at me like she's withholding an eye roll. No, I'm not. I'm encouraging this. As long as it makes you happy, I'm happy too. Maybe I'll go on and look at the cats of TikTok hashtag. There's also a lot of good bunny videos. Oh, I do I've love searched, a bunny. Oh, I, I've searched goat videos. I love goats. Oh, I think they're so funny, the way they prance. Anyway, what – get off me. What's yours? Mine is one called Ambitious Kitchen, and um, I posted to my Instagram. I was like, who's influenced you, and what did you buy? And a lot of people said that Ambitious Kitchen um, – I've never heard them. of this. So it's a cooking account, I think. Um, I've only, like, glanced at it, but she has really good beauty recommendations in her stories, but her feed is mostly food-focused. I oh. like her so far. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, what about books? I think we have to make this quick because we've been talking for so long. I can't make this quick. I've read a lot. I know. Me too. I'll go first and I'll do it quickly. Okay. My first one is City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. I don't know what took me so long. It's amazing. It's about showgirls. It's historical fiction. It's a romance. There's a crisis. There's an amazing redemption. It's fantastic. The next one that I read was a book called The Woman Upstairs. I actually read the wrong one. What do you mean? Andrea Dunlop had told us to read it, and I ordered. I went on Amazon, and I didn't know the author, so I just ordered the book, and apparently there's many books called The Woman Upstairs. How is that not a copyright issue? I don't know. It was only medium, but I guess the one by Claire Massoud, I want to say, is the right one, so go read that. The next one is In Five Years by Rebecca Searle. It's not out till March, but guys, like pre-order this book. It's going to make you cry. It's the best. It's so good. And then I just finished last night reading Regretting You by Colleen Hoover. And that's her newest one. It is not a thriller. Everyone on Instagram oh. was like, how does it rep- How does it um, compare to Verity? It doesn't because it's totally different. This one's like a mother-daughter story oh. where um, like the mother and the daughter aren't very close and they go through a huge crisis. Basically, it doesn't spoil anything by saying this. The um, the husband slash father dies in this like um, really bad accident, but there's some very questionable circumstances behind it. So it's like this whole big secret and the story of the relationship between the mom and the daughter. It's good. It's not the best book I've read recently, but it's definitely it, it kept me up for a while because I wanted to know what, what what happened and what the resolution was. Oh, okay. Yeah. What about you? Okay. So 
the first thing I read was Deadly Little Scandals, which I was starting last episode by Jennifer Lynn Barnes. So that's the sequel to Little... Can I borrow that? Yeah. It's The Secret to Little White Lies, which was our book club book in January of 2019. So where I netted out on this book... So, okay. So if you didn't read the first one, the pitch I would give you is it's Pretty Little Liars meets Southern Charm. And it's like all about these Southern Debs, but there's also like murder. The second one was medium until the end, and it had one of the craziest twists I've ever read in a book that made it so worthwhile. So I kind of was dragging through it, but I ended up very positive. Second thing I read was In Five Years, which you also mentioned. Grace, I had an emotional breakdown reading this book. It's so sad. I sobbed my way through it. It was so good. The basic premise is that a woman who kind of has a perfect life, has a dream, um, and in her dream, she wakes up, it's five years later, and she has a completely different life. And so then the book covers the intervening five years between her dream or when she had the dream and when the dream takes place and like what happens to her. And it was not what I expected it to be at all. It was so wonderful. It might have to be a book club pick. I think it probably does need to be, but we'll get there. And then the last thing is that I finally finished Throne of Glass. Not finally. I read a seven book series in a month and a week. It was great. I feel... I'm so glad you finished. I'm glad I finished too. It literally ruined my life because all I wanted to do was read the series. But I will say that it stayed good all the way through. Like, you know, the last Hunger Games where it was kind of wah-wah at the end? Mm -hmm. No, this was great all the way through. So I ended up really positively. Nine million people have DM'd me to tell me that I need to read her other series. And I will, but I need to do it not now. Yeah, that's going to totally derail your whole life. It's only Maybe in like a year. Her other series is only three books, so I can do it, but I, I cannot do it right now. Like, okay. I have emerged from this hole, and I need to stay above ground. Yeah. So that is what we have for you. If you are looking for something to read and none of that tickled your fancy, it's a weird thing to say, um... Our December book club pick is One Day in December by Josie Silver. And that came out last year and was one of our favorite, favorite books of the year. But it's holiday-centric, so we saved it for December. And it's a British rom-com, which you guys know I love. And so good. Can't recommend it highly enough. I'm so excited to reread this one. It was just such a, it's such a good book. So good. And if you would like more of us... You can follow us on Instagram at Bad on Paper Podcast. You can join our Facebook group. Or you can follow me at Becca M. Freeman. Or you can follow me at Grace Atwood. And my blog is thestripe.com and I post there every day. Okay, see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.